0: You're listening to Startup Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories of startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using Acquire.com, the world's number one startup acquisition marketplace. To date, Acquire.com has helped thousands of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gastecki.
1: All right, I'm here with Mark, the founder of Growth Marketing Pro. Mark, how are you doing today?
2: Good, Andrew. Nice to see you. Nice to be on. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So for those that um, may not know you, do you want to give a brief introduction um, of yourself?
2: Yeah. Um, so I've uh, been in digital marketing for twelve-ish years now. Um, I was working at startups in San Francisco. A company called Realty Shares. A company called Plush Care one called Minted. Along the way, my business partner Haley and I started a blog at growthmarketingpro.com and wrote exclusively about digital marketing stuff, you know, what we were learning at startups. We were able to grow that blog via organic traffic and along the way started getting asked for help on how we could grow other companies' organic traffic. Basically, through the course of helping other companies, we hatched the idea for Growth Bar. Growth Bar is an AI writing tool for SEOs. So it was really like we were the people solving our own need. Um, Fast forward to today, we've now sold Growth Bar. Haley and I are focused now completely on Growth Marketing Pro Agency.
1: Hey, I I got a question. Yeah. Uh blink twice if the acquisition was seven figures
2: uh, I, I can't blink <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: all right we'll leave it there uh, well I got some questions um so uh, again congrats on the acquisition of uh, of growth bar um you know we were all rooting for you as a team so it's always exciting to see when those go through thank, thank you um but what got you into entrepreneurship it sounds like you you know you you were working on some tech companies and you made that leap that's really scary for a lot of people. Um, what made you make take that leap?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I think Haley and I had a, we had a, a interesting introduction to like entrepreneurship and in, in that we started it as a side business. I see you tweet about this too. And it's like, and actually a lot of, there's like a whole Twitter culture of like the solopreneur, like side hustler. And I actually like, I think it's a great way to build a business is just as a side hustle because then you can be one foot in the door, one foot out, and still make, you know, a paycheck and get to build something you really love on the side. So, I mean, we built Growth Marketing Pro. I think she quit her day job three years in. I probably quit like four years in, something like that. But uh, yeah, we really stepped into it as a side hustle with our blog.
1: Nice. So, every entrepreneur has mistakes, struggles, obstacles they've gone through. Would you say uh your biggest you know obstacle either building um growth bar or growth marketing pro or just anything else what's like your biggest mistake oh
2: good one good one uh i mean there's a million i think i mean i i i want to i want to say with growth bar it was going too wide you know I think a lot of VCs and stuff will tell you, like, go narrow and deep on one product and one, you know, use case. And I think with Growth Bar, I think it's good advice sometimes, but sometimes you need to go broad enough in order for the tool to be useful. And for Growth Bar, that meant adding SEO features as well. Like, you know, it's an AI writing tool, but also needs to help you plan, write, and and rank and follow your rankings for The content that you're creating in the name of seo so like we i you know i don't know if it was like a real struggle but it was like always trying to find that balance between broad and narrow um, and I think we went too broad in the beginning. I think we spent a lot of time and resources creating keyword research stuff from scratch that, you know, perhaps we didn't need to spend that time doing. And we could have refined the the core product, which was the AI writing for SEO product. It's not nice. a good answer.
1: No, it is. I've actually made the exact same mistake at my first startup. Um, uh, it's called Business Apps is a do yourself mm-hmm. drag and drop mobile app builder. We made mobile apps for everybody, you know, restaurants, hotels, um barbershops but if we went narrow on like one vertical I think we could have grown further but uh I I actually would maybe now now I'm thinking I think all entrepreneurs you know reflect on stuff like that like I wish I could went narrow because it worked out for me and it obviously worked out for you so
2: but the going broad also helps you find that like what is that wedge sort of thing a little bit you know And especially when you're bootstrapped too, like in my mind, like SEO and affiliate marketing are the two things that I love. And like the more features you have and the more... you know the wider the target audience the more opportunity there is to you know rank for those keywords and bring customers in the door who wouldn't have otherwise heard of you so like narrow and deep is great for customer retention and like giving somebody something they can't live without but for customer acquisition i actually like the broad I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth
1: no i i actually i can relate to that cuz we were bootstrapped as well so you know i think the long term strategy if we just said hey we're going to go all dominate this one uh, sector, maybe it was, it probably would have been restaurants. Like I look at, um, companies like chow now and mm-hmm. everyone has like a mobile app for restaurants, but that growth would have been, you know, slower, a bit longer. But when you're bootstrapped, you're just kind of like, we'll service any customer, yeah, whoever's, whoever got money. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, um, let's transition over to, um, Uh, growth for? Where'd you get the idea from it? What made you start that company? It was
2: like serving a need that we had. So serving the need for, so for our marketing agency, we are creating content for a a number of companies. And in every single case, the company is super different. So there, you know, there's keyword research involved. There's like understanding what the business even does. Then there's the, okay, what are their, you know, guidelines for writing? Like, do they do they talk about us in the in talk about themselves in the we voice the i voice what and basically it's like a process that's super artisanal and we were trying to make it a little less artisanal and leave a little bit less to you know guessing how are we going to get something to rank so we basically started with what was like an editor interface that didn't have anything to do with ai it was an editor interface that gave you you know essentially like the growth bar the like toolbar that told you okay how optimized is your blog post for seo and then of course when you know we heard about open ai we got on the wait list for their beta and you know the obvious next progression of that was okay, like, let's have the tool help you actually write an SEO optimized blog post as well as optimize the blog post. So it like really it grew organically. And like I said, you know, it it was it was a side hustle. It was a side hustle of a side hustle. And then like, you know, the more we used it at our agency, the more we were like, Okay, this is a great tool, we can package it up
1: and sell it. Nice. When did you? uh, Okay, so that's awesome! I love it. You scratch your own itch, so to so to, so to say. Um, when did you know you had product market fit? Did you have a moment where you like felt it? Customers were just coming in. Was it a slow ramp? Was it a day moment? We you out on a walk one day.
2: <laughs> it's funny. My uh, so like H- Haley and I are pretty good at acquiring customers, and like. Growth Marketing Pro had an audience already, you know, like it's however many organics it had back then, 50,000 organic visitors a month to the site for all sorts of, you know, various marketing strategies and whatnot. Um, And an email list of, you know, 15, 20,000 people. So when we launched, it was actually like that was the moment I was like, oh, wow, we've got a tool here. Because we were affiliates for a bunch of, of other software tools, like webinar software, uh, landing page software, like the Insta pages and unbounces of the world. And and all along, Haley and I were kind of like, we need our own SaaS so that we're not just taking 20% commission, we need uh, something that we can get 100% of the commissions on. And so, so that was the impetus originally behind creating a SaaS in the first place. So anyway, once we launched, we sort of were right then and there, we were like, oh, cool. We got to, I don't know, 5,000 MRR in like a month or two, something like that. So we pretty immediately knew we had something. And and right then and there, I was like, oh my gosh, we've got the thing. Now we just need to sell it more and more of it to our audience. But then churn starts kicking in, and like any SaaS entrepreneur knows that churn is like the yeah. total death of the whole thing. And it's like we got to five thousand bucks MRR, but then I was like, oh well, people are turning after two months, so like we have to keep this wheel moving and moving and moving. And you know, our email list and our organic traffic is only so big; we can only fill the top of the funnel so much. So I had the moment where I thought we had it, and then churn kicked in, and I was like, oh crap, we don't have
1: this <laughs> bra- at all. Brought bra- you back to reality a little Brought bit. Brought
2: me back to reality, real quick and then i think once i when i realized that we had something that was actually going to grow to you know be in the hundreds of thousands of arr and beyond i think was probably when we had our first like thousand dollar day i do remember seeing that in stripe and being like oh wow that's pretty cool
1: and then that's your moment right there then
2: Uh, i think that might have been it
1: what was um uh and feel free to give a range but what was um annual recurring revenue when you uh sold the business
2: yeah um three hundred and eighteen thousand dollars you asked for a range I actually, I know what the, the number
1: was, 318. I, I know you would know it, but I didn't know if you are comfortable sharing the exact, everybody knows their exact um, <laughs> revenue. Uh, let's move on to the the acquisition processes, but um, I, I really want to hear about um, what, um, you know, so you, you built this great product, um, you found product market fit, it's growing, it's got, you know, six figures in your recurring revenue. Uh, what made you decide to sell the business? A couple things. One we needed time back um so
2: our marketing agency that we actually we had a fun process haley and i so haley my business partner and i we met at a at a startup and we started growth marketing pro we then once we sort of fell into growth bar and started you know really investing in growth bar she and i were looking at each other and we we're like all right we've got this agency we've got this SaaS product and there's only two of us and the agency definitely takes full-time folks and growth bar was beginning to take you know a full-time person so we basically just split up the business and i took growth bar haley took our agency we hired a couple of people at the agency um and we we kind of said to each other like let's each just give this a go for like 12 months each of us run our own businesses of course we like you know there was plenty of of chatting and like figuring out how to how to you know how to grow each one of our businesses but we like sat back and and said okay let's see in 12 months who's who's done better here um <laughs> so after 12 little, months a little,
1: little competition girl. it was perfect
2: i mean like it truly like because it also gets you at you know we've been working together haley and i have been co-founders for six years now or something like that it's like yeah, we both we we really get along we're really great business partners but like your business partner also annoys you no matter what so it was also just a way for us to just like you know separate for a little bit there and work on our own things and have our own lanes sort of so that we're not constantly just like you know crossing crossing wires so we did that for for 12 months both businesses were growing we said all right let's do it for another 12 and around then we started getting so after i don't know 24 months here in we started getting some some inbound acquisition offers and conversations um, and so when we started taking those and they were, you know, some of them were pretty interesting. We got one that was a seven figure offer, but it came with a pretty significant earnout. So we ultimately passed on that. But I mean, the, the process of going through that made us really think like, is it time to sell this thing? And like the the fact was that the agency still is the biggest business and it's the one it's the biggest and it's growing the fastest and it needs the most manpower so we looked at the two businesses and it's like I could spend another year building growth bar but is that really going to add as much value as me spending a year working with Haley on the agency and the answer is no um so like the second we just you know ran those numbers like oh yeah well we should probably sell growth bar and focus completely on the agency so i mean that's really the the big reason i mean the other reason is that we uh we did buy actually another software tool we're not doing much with it yet Uh, it's called hopscotch it's a product onboarding solution so uh unfortunately we didn't buy it on acquire we bought it offline we found cam the founder on twitter
1: Um, i i forgive you you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) we love that product and like Quite honestly, we'll probably invest some resources into building it in the future. But it's like I couldn't even think about that that product. We we I couldn't even like begin to think about it if we were still running Growth Bar. Um, so it just felt like the time was right.
1: That's smart. I I think you know, especially with the way everything uh, is going with AI, you know, it feels like you kind of saw it at a good peak where the growth opportunities is. I don't know. I I truly don't. Um, I, I
2: yeah. have no idea. We either sold at the peak or we sold way too early. Yeah. I don't it, know. Could be, it could be either one of those.
1: Yeah. 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 We'll have to, we'll have to see how that plays out. Okay. So I want to get to the, the fun start, the, the fun part. So, um, you, you list on, um, Acquire.com. uh what kind of preparation did you do um before you actually like went on the marketplace and started speaking with buyers yeah
2: um getting the books in order i think it's the first thing like we had i i kept pretty solid you know p l and notes and whatnot um i just wanted to make sure i had to go back you know, I was putting like our digital ocean bill was like $800 a month. I just kept putting 800 every month because I wasn't going to go in and check what our actual bill was. It was like 882. Then it was like 753. So anyway, I had to go back and like really get those numbers like hammered out and, you know, check all of our receipts on everything. Um, Had to then, you know, think about like what is the, the right range here? So that involved actually looking at like customer churn water flows, waterfalls and Whatnot, um, then putting like pen to paper on okay, like here's our revenue, here's our monthly growth, here's our churn. What do we even think a reasonable number is? And of course, as you well know, like the numbers for for small startups can be kind of all over the place, which is what we began to realize. Um, and then we worked with Paul on your team. He had a bunch of other stuff that he needed us to do, like you know, get approved for seller financing. Uh, you know, there's
1: the the good old sim packet. Yeah. Yeah. The offboarding
2: packet and whatnot. Oh my <laughs> gosh. There, there was a lot. There was, there was definitely a lot.
1: But that, that prep, I mean, it what it does is, you know, when you're selling a business, you know, goal number one, um, obviously is that have a good business, but maybe goal number two is, you, you know, you want to help buyers understand your business as much as possible, as quickly as possible. So you create yep. that market and that FOMO. Um So you, you, so I know a lot about this acquisition, so I don't want to give too much away, but um um
2: you, uh, on the FOMO you, thing really quick, Andrew, you have the best FOMO technique of all.
1: Well, hey, let's, let's, let me, let me ask you that in a different all right. way. Uh, you go live on Acquire.com. You're fully prepared. You have, have an MA advisor Paul in your corner if you have questions um, what happened first like week or two we I forget the exact number of people but like we
2: before you guys even emailed the deal out you know, I, I maybe i'm getting my timelines mixed up i think you guys didn't even email anyone on the platform yet and i feel like we had people asking to be in the data room you know like approve you know you have to approve people when they they come in or whatever um and then you guys sent the email i think to the first fifty thousand potential buyers or something like that and we had like 50 people um sign a sign a nda to, to get into the data room. So it was like, it, it was a swell of people in the first 48 hours. Like I was pretty genuinely shocked. Um, we then had a couple of conversations like in the chat portal, in the Acquire platform, people seemed pretty interested, got on some calls um, and truly got two offers basically before 72 hours were up, something like that. Got another offline offer from a, a, a firm who was, sitting on the sidelines and had had approached us, I don't know, six months before. And I had told them, Hey guys, we're going to list on acquire. And you know, the date is whatever, June 7th or whatever our list date was. And then sure enough, June 6th, they email us and they're like, Hey, do you have like an updated PL and like all this other stuff? And then sure enough, June 7th, they gave us an offer. So like I don't know, the acquire platform brought everything together really fast and like it did create that FOMO that just like, you know, made the thing go.
1: Well, I mean, a big a big part of it is you gotta it it starts with having a good business and and you had a really good business with with Growth Bar. So we Thank I can't, you. We can't, we can't take all the credit there. I do, I do, um, gotta ask, um, what was the time it took from you going live to getting to a letter of intent with the buyer? I
2: don't, I, you might know the answer. I don't, I,
1: like, I believe it was, I think it was like four days. Like, four I think, days. I, yeah. I, is I, that I right? Think, yeah. I think we went live on Tuesday. Um, do you care if I give a little bit of context of what, yeah. yeah no, no, no. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, for, for those listening, we have, um, uh, a program that we have for um, some of the higher value SaaS companies called Guided Acquire. Essentially what we do is we help uh, broker the deal, but we do everything but the buyer calls. And so we did this with Mark. Um, so we took Mark live on Tuesday and that's for the initial, you know, you're fully prepared uh, M&A advisor in the background. And Mark, correct me if I'm Wrong on any of this. Uh, And I believe that the big email went out um, either Wednesday or Thursday. And that's what we call internally uh, basically a targeted newsletter where we go through our database of 200,000 buyers and we kind of pick buyers that are looking for SaaS businesses doing, you know, in your range of revenue. Um, So it gets really, really specific to, it basically activates the whole buyer network. And then I believe you signed the LOI on Friday with the buyer. I think that
2: sounds right. I'm a, I was a big Friday person. Haley would would tell you (laughs) that. Just like, let's get this done before, before the weekend. Let's get it like, you know, the weekend kills deals. I'm like, so yeah, I I think that's right. I think it was Friday.
1: So how did you end up um, and you picked a, a fantastic buyer. You don't have to name them if you're not comfortable with, but what made you um, choose that buyer? Cause you had multiple offers, correct? Yeah.
2: Um, I think few things. One, they had a history on the Acquire platform. Like I know that they've done deals um the one other buyer who came in right around the same had done I think only one deal so like it was all things equal the 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 known quantity just feels like the right buyer to go with um two you know we had an offer six months before that was bigger than the offer that we ended up going with on the acquire platform but it just had all these bells and whistles that made it really fun for the acquirer and not so fun for us like you know three-year earnout. Uh, you know, performance milestones and this, that, and the other thing. And like it would have been a good name and the money probably would have eventually been better. But it's like, yeah, we would have been working for them for a while. Um, or I would have been working with them for a while. So like it was a clean transaction, cash, no stock, no earnout, none of that stuff. And with with an, a known buyer who has a history of doing a good job. And then, you know, once we started interacting with them too, they were super relatable. They like, I know they got it you know they they had all worked at tech companies and like i kind of saw myself in them a little bit so it was like really easy then i was like oh these guys kind of get what they're doing they they know the right questions to ask and it just like felt comfortable and they move quick it was like literally yeah like you said before friday or by friday we had an loi i was like okay they're serious let's do it
1: yeah those are those are all good indicators because the quicker they get to an loi or the quicker they get to you know, responding to questions they ask or sending you additional questions they may have, that's kind of what due diligence is going to be like, if it's really slow, getting the LOI, if it's really slow getting questions, responses due diligence is going to be just like that. And I like how you went with um, a more experienced buyer, because your chances of closing are, are higher when you do that. Because um, the last thing you want to do is sign an LOI and then you have all these other buyers interested, and then it follows through. And then you have to go back to the other buyers and kind of explain what happened even if it's just something like we didn't get along or they didn't have the funding or something like that so
2: it's crazy to me by the way like this was the first company that i've sold for any substantial amount of money i sold a blog back when but it was for five figures didn't have this level of of scrutiny and diligence it's it's crazy to me that an LOI is is completely binding. So like you can sign an LOI and a day later that, that, that entity can say, oh, actually we like don't have enough money or actually like this wasn't the deal we thought it was. And then you've had to tell every other buyer to go away. And then all of a sudden you're gonna have to go back to the well in a position of like, yeah, and not a powerful position. You're going to say, oh, oops, our like deal fell through. Like, are you guys still interested? Sort of thing. It's just crazy to me that that's how like the world works. But like, you know, yeah, guys' fall. It's just crazy that that happens.
1: You know, the importance of, you know, being on the same page with the buyer when you sign an LOI. And one thing I always recommend is a pre-LOI signing call where you just kind of mm-hmm. openly say like, hey, i Mark. You know, I have these other offers on the table. Can you just, can we walk through your plan with the business? How are you going to finance it? it um, just to get that last bit of confidence and let them know that like I really do have other buyers and please don't just you know sign this lock up and you're barely going to be able to make this work right right so that's a little tip there that Um, is a good tip so I guess you know final questions um you know if you had to you know give advice to someone looking to sell their their business um uh, what's like the top three pieces of advice you give them
2: I say one it's like bill (laughs) this is the worst advice if I were a founder, I'd like turn this video off right now but like yeah. build a good company like it's really like it's that simple like you try and you know show growth show customer acquisition you know make your your lifetime value better And it's like at the end of the day like you kind of need it all like everything is going to come out when when a buyer looks at a business and in diligence and like it's like every every like flaw your business has is like a tick down you're like so it's just like you have this number in your mind and then like oh your turn is a little too high so like let's actually just like take 20% off that and then you're like eh your customer growth is a little lower in the last 3 months let's take 20% off that so it's like you really just like your whole business has to be complete and and like yeah there's there's kind of nothing you can hide so to speak um, I think the second thing is like I still so believe in organic growth and and not just SEO I mean definitely SEO but like what you're doing with acquire and your like, you know, brand on on social on Twitter and probably LinkedIn and the other places I don't go as much but like organic growth still particularly for you know bootstrap startups, like you've got to find a way to reduce your customer acquisition costs, because every venture backed company who you're competing against has enough money to outspend you on on all the paid channels. And they're doing all the stuff that like, you know, you should probably be doing. So like your wedge from a, from a, go-to-market standpoint has to be something free and cheap. Referral coefficient, affiliate marketing, SEO, social media, like it's just gotta be low cost. Um, The third thing we were talking about before, which is like lifetime value, finding that wedge. Like you've gotta have a high LTV customer. I think it's like the most important thing in all of business and something that like isn't talked about enough, because we always hear growth, 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 customer growth, but like customer growth can't cover up a product that that has tons of churn, like you've got to figure out a way to get your best customers using your product more paying you more asking for new features etc cetera, etc cetera. like if you're hearing from your best customers that's probably a good thing honestly yeah
1: you know that you you gave no acquisition advice but i agree with you yes <laughs> uh, if, you, if you build. list on
2: acquire that's that's the last thing honestly <laughs> like I wrote a blog post about this and like you guys have opened up the like world of M&A for small businesses. I think it's like an awesome thing for entrepreneurship and for entrepreneurs and like truly let's not acquire even if nothing were to move your other conversations along.
1: I mean I actually agree with that too um, <laughs> but I appreciate the compliment but yeah no really you know the better the business easier to sell. There's a saying you know the best businesses you don't want to sell um You know, so the better your business, it just makes everything easier. So um, congrats again on the acquisition. Um, uh, So tell me a little bit, um, just to end out the the podcast, um, tell me more about um, growth marketing uh, pros and what you guys are doing over there. Yeah,
2: we are a marketing agency focused primarily on search marketing. It's where Haley and I have had the most success throughout our career. It's what built growth bar. So that means search marketing, SEO, and SEM. So search engine optimization, getting Google to love you organically, and then search engine marketing, Google ads, Bing ads or Microsoft ads, whatever they call themselves. And we dabble in some other PPC channels as well. But I think, you know, what our clients love about us, we work with clients who are, you know, everywhere from bootstrapped up to the, actually even a public company, but they're primarily software businesses, SaaS companies, and I think they really like working with us because we inject a growth strategy as well. You know Haley and I are the point of contact for almost every business we work with and you know you're not just getting passed off to some young person executing your SEO or SEM strategy like it's coming from a place of experience and you know we're going to help you figure out the best way to optimize your budget and you know obviously get customers in the door in big numbers so. Yeah, Growth Marketing Pro is a, a full service SEO S E M agency.
1: Nice. Um if people want to hear hear um, excuse me, hear more about uh just your personal story and journey and just maybe reach out for a chat. Where can they find find you online?
2: Yeah, uh, growthmarketingpro.com. You can check our about us page out or uh, yeah, email me anytime, Mark at growthmarketingpro Cool.
1: I'll put that um on the show notes. But Mark, congrats again on the the acquisition. I think you may have set a record with uh the size of the acquisition and then also the time in which it closed. so that's incredible um, so bravo
2: love hearing it love hearing it um you're gonna have to replace your tile from web three to AI so that people can find AI startups. I saw somebody hounding you about that on Twitter.
1: I know, we, we, we're we literally working on that right now. <laughs> like I'm sick of seeing all these AI startups cause they're under SaaS and we're gonna make a new category. And then you get that new category, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Hopefully it doesn't go go by the wayside.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, Mark, um, congrats again. Um, hopefully, maybe you'll be back on here in, in you know, a couple of years or in the near future. You never know. But um, uh, congrats on the acquisition. And I'm, I'm rooting for every everything you got going on.
2: Thanks, Andrew. And I'm rooting for you guys in
0: Acquire.
1: I right, appreciate that. Cheers, Mark. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Startup Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. If you know a friend or colleague that's thinking about selling their startup and don't know where to start, please share it with them. For more information on Acquire.com and how we can help you start conversations with serious buyers with acquisition targets ranging from 50000 up to $50 million or more, check us out at Acquire.com. We'll see you next time.